Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Sunday, January the 20... What day is it today? 24th, 2021. Hopefully you find you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. It's actually uh, rainy here today, It's uh, which never, ever happens uh, in Scottsdale. Really, I can think, honestly, in the last year, I remember it raining like maybe two... Or three days, and uh, while we desperately do need it here uh, in the Valley of the Sun, it's not motivating uh, by any means. It is actually kind of depressing, and uh, I, I I know the sun really changes who I am. Just having the sun shining, but man, it really it really hits me on these days. It's uh, obviously it's Sunday. We wake up to our advanced uh, Sunday matcons, and I immediately. Uh, Heather was supposed to come on the podcast today. She stayed up uh, too late last night. She had a friend in town. I stayed up too late watching the uh, the Conor McGregor uh, Dustin Poirier fight. Uh, and when I say late, like I think I was up to like eleven thirty, which is way past my bedtime. But uh, great fight, great card, uh, awesome stuff. And I was driving here today as it's raining, and I'm just I'm not motivated at all to work out. Like about zero percent motivated, and uh, just walking in. Then we set it up for the people here who are crazy enough to do the the awful in-person Sunday Metcons we do. It just reminds me how important a community is and how important it is for me to have the atmosphere of people. And, uh, you know, it's early for us. Even though 8 o'clock for me is relatively late, for some reason on a Sunday, 8 o'clock feels like my 4 a.m. And, uh, you know, I create these workouts. We have a whole book full of them, and then I... A big borrow and steal from friends of mine and we kind of share the you know best practices or share like the worst things we all do together and just being here with these guys and we're all just kind of enduring the the suck of it uh together i need that obviously in my life and uh for you guys who only work out at home and have only been at home or i was just doing some online coaching here uh, and i got a guy he actually lives in paris gyms are still closed there but he can now i think this week go to the parks but he's been training inside his uh, apartment for the last uh, couple months it's just brutal man it, it really is even for me I'm a fitness person I do this for a living uh, I still get paid you know some of our revenue streams are, are you know basically paying me just for what I look like which should be the the, the ultimate motivation every single day but it's a, it's tough man and the, the groups do help so uh, just a, a reminder for me that you know when you can get out and be in community and train with your friends and train with a good group of people uh, it does elevate your game. It is uh, type A as I am, as you know, serial killer like as I may be with workouts and training and those things. Uh, even I uh, do much better when there are other people suffering and pain around me, and and just going through the patterns. I mean, I wouldn't keep the same pace if all these guys weren't keeping the same pace. It's it just pushes you to do more than you would do on your own. I do think that is the power of a group and the power of community and why we do thrive as humans. We'll always get much more done together uh, than we can do solo. So just off the top of my head today. But before we kick into uh, the Q&A episode here, and I have a lot of questions. I Admittedly, uh, I've been super busy, you guys. I have not read through these, so we'll see where it goes. Um, obviously, uh, I try to give you the best information I can. Uh, if I need to do more research on some of these, I will. Uh, I scanned them loosely, so I think most of them I can answer off the cuff. But we'll dig into all the questions you guys have sent in for uh, for quite a while now, so I'm getting to them. But uh, the episode obviously brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. 
you guys know it's the one supplement I take every single day. If you guys are looking to get rid of like taking 10 different pills a day and you want just like an all-in-one supplement that you can take, Athletic Greens is where I would put my money. Um, I 100% believe in it. Obviously, it's the best tasting by far. In terms of micronutrients, nothing else can fuck with it. Like they've, they, they do greens better than everyone else. This is the 53rd or 54th version of the greens. They just keep making it better and better and retooling and retooling and making it better. So basically all you guys do you take the greens you throw it in some water if you throw it in a shake it tastes like nothing if you throw it in some water i usually do about six eight ounces cold shake it up and i slam it like two three drinks it's done way easier than you know doing shots of wild turkey at the bar which we've all been there so you're talking 75 vitamins minerals and whole food ingredients for me uh i've noticed my immune system has been running on high. My gut health and function is much better than it's ever been, which that to me is probably the biggest key. Uh, and again, I don't, I can't eat that many vegetables. I'm just not going to. So if you're looking to get the equivalent of, you know, 10 to 12 antioxidant levels of vegetables and fruits per day, I would get the athletic greens. And for right now, we talked them into giving you guys a year supply of vitamin D, which I'll touch on in a second, and they'll send you five free travel packs. And if you're really on the fence, like, wow, Jeremy, I'm not sure. Hit me up as fast as you can. I'll have Monica send a pack right to your front door, and then you guys can try it. And you've heard me talk about this before many times, how important vitamin D is. That's why we literally talk them into, okay, hey, I'm like, hey, you guys, if we get people to buy greens the beginning part of 2021, can we do something where we hook them up with a super sick deal? And they're like, we'll give them vitamin D for an entire year, Jeremy. I'm like, that's super dope. And all the research that's coming out now, not just with the COVID shit, but like upper respiratory stuff, just immune function in general, all the data, like, and this is from uh, the Department of Medicine at Boston University, so it's a real place. Their data suggests that any improvement in vitamin D status, any improvement at all in vitamin D status will significantly affect the expression of genes that have a wide variety of biological function of more than 160 pathways linked to cancer, autoimmune disorders, cardiovascular disease, and these are people that have, you know, uh, been associated with the vitamin D deficiencies. So being uh, deficient or insufficient in vitamin D is terrible for your body. It is awful. I actually, um, obviously my dad now does take athletic greens, which I have to call him after this, but uh, he's on athletic greens now. He was on it before the D offer. So what I was doing was just sending him a D to his house and that's how important I believe it is. Like I'll literally send it to friends and family who I'm not sure if they're taking it. I'm like, just, you need to be on this. Let's do it. So we talked athletic greens into doing that. So if you guys are interested, hit me up. I take the greens every single day. I actually take the, uh, the liquid vitamin D. I just put it in my mouth, you know, straight up like a gangster. Um, you can throw it into your greens too. It's fine. It's the liquid D highly absorbable. They actually put it with the K2, which is also super important. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but if you want the hookup, Message me. The site is athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. And there you guys have it. Um, that's it. Let's get into it. Uh, where am I at here with the uh, questions? Oh, I do want to mention this. i uh been throwing a lot of stuff, obviously, on Instagram and through our email list. If you guys want to be on our newsletter, you can hit me up. I'm happy to, uh, to add you there. And I threw this on uh, Instagram the other day. And uh, I wrote the quote, uh, I don't know, probably three years ago. And I sometimes reshare the things that I think are vitally important. Um, cause sometimes I do have good ideas. It's very rare, but once in a while, maybe I'm taking a shower or I'm driving here to work. I'm some, you know, 
some weird stroke of genius comes into my brain, I can actually say something that has some <laughs> some meaning and some importance. And uh, I wrote this, and the quote that's attached to uh, the bigger transcript is this. Knowing who you really are and not caring what other people think are the first steps you can take on the road to being a happy, successful badass. And I go on to say, know who you really are. Because who you are is so much more important than your car, your house, your bank account, your abs, your posts, your likes, and your social media bio. Our selfish egos love to compare ourselves to others in terms of looks, in money, in job title, and in everything in between. And for many people, they're competing with the world in a game that is impossible to win. All the stuff comes and goes. And at the end of the day, it has very little to do with who you are and how happy you're living daily. The takeaway, don't live your life based on what you think other people will think of you or to keep up with or to impress your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, your social media followers. My advice is focus on what makes you happy. Focus on you. What activities, what career, what friends, what experiences give you the biggest ROI of your time? Fuck the outside comparison keeping up with the Joneses bullshit. Know who you are, know what makes you happy, and do more of that shit 24-7, 365, and see how badass your life becomes in a hurry. And I wrote that a couple years ago. I reshared it recently because I believe in it and I hold it more true now than ever. Uh, my, my hope and my wish for just the world would be you, we would all become less divided, uh, less assholes, more nice people, and we'd stop caring about things that don't really matter. And obviously us as humans, we're designed to you know keep searching and keep growing and, and getting more and more and more. And I think that used to be based on, you know, uh, this kind of, you know, archaic survivalistic instinct we had because we had to stay safe from animals and, and predators and all these things. And now we obviously have designed societies in the way we have it. We have our own problems where we're always wanting more, bigger house, bigger car, newer house, newer car, better clothes, more shoes, more hats, more purses, more bags, more money. And I'm not saying don't strive for things. I'm, and again, I'm not against stuff. I, I have a lot of nice shit in my opinion. Um, but even I am like, I have too much, man. Like, what's it about? And at the end of the day, to my wife, we talk about, you know, obviously you guys know we paid off our house. We own it. You know, uh, maybe we'll move someday uh, in Scottsdale. I really don't want to leave the uh, the area here. I love it. Um, but we might buy a different home at some point. And uh, we kind of talk about it. And we look at how crazy the price increases have been here because people are just moving here like crazy. And uh, I'm just like, she asked me, what do you think about this? I'm like, I don't care. You know, certain things I think can bring you value if, you know, if you have a pool and you like to go swimming, if you have a hot tub and you enjoy that thing, if you have a sauna, like little things that are, you know, tied to, for me, just sensations. I'm a, I'm, I'm an animal deep down. So that's really all I care about. But I could give a shit about the backsplash in the kitchen or the floor or, you know, what kind of uh, ceiling it is. It, it means nothing to me. And now I'm not saying those things aren't important. They are, but it has nothing to do with who I am. It won't change my daily life is what I'm getting at. Whether I drive here in a Honda Accord or I drive here in a Ferrari, it's all the same, dude. It doesn't make a difference to me. Um, so that's just the takeaway is just really 
just focus on the things that make you happy. And if that is having a fancy car, then then drive the shit out of it and enjoy it, man. But don't waste your life thinking and worrying and wishing and doing things that aren't making you happy and bringing you enjoyment and fulfillment and wasting them trying to impress other people or play this game that really is unwinnable. And it really is. And, and I, my hope would be after last year of the pandemic stuff and all that shit that we would have gotten out of that cycle. And obviously I'm in a, a really strange bubble here in Scottsdale in Arizona is not indicative of the world. I say it all the time to my wife. It's just, this is not how I grew up. It's not where I grew up and nothing about this makes any logical sense to my, you know, ghetto gorilla brain. But my hope would have been like, we would have let go of a lot of those anchors that were holding us down about status and comparison. And, uh, Sadly, I don't think a lot of that has went away. I think it did briefly, and then people just get right back into their routine. So if you're listening to me and you find yourself suffering from the comparison bullshit stuff, just you don't have to, dude. You just let it go and just live your life and really just focus on being a good person, being happy, and, and doing right by people, and uh, you'll be okay. And if you want stuff, it, it's always going to be there if you ever change your mind. So nothing to do with today's podcast, but I thought it was important to uh, – Drop my opinion, since the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast. You just got a little bit of it right there. So, here are the questions that came in from you off Instagram. Let's go down the list here as quickly as I can. Get you guys the information you asked, and we'll get you on your way. Number one, why do I crave a beer after working out? Well, I believe this is, what's his name? Jose? Well, Jose, maybe you just love beer. I don't know, dude. Uh, I don't have that personal uh, feeling. So that's a tough one for me to answer. Next one. Have you ever thought about being in a Marvel or DC movie? You have a superhero body. Thank you. Um, I can't read your Instagram name, but no, I don't know how to act. I can barely do what I do on live TV, uh, Instagram, and in the men's health video. So this is about the, uh, the extent of my talent. I'm getting better at speaking for sure publicly, but uh, I do swear a lot and I'm awkward. So I'm, that'll never change. Next one. Jeremy, any advice on numbness in the hands, fingers, and forearms related to lifting? It really just depends. Uh, there's a million things. Obviously, I'm not a doctor, but a lot of people, what I find is they don't foam roll, and they don't do enough tissue work on their triceps and also their forearms, which is uh, a huge issue for a lot of people over time. It's like if you ever had golfer's elbow or a tennis elbow, uh, it's really nasty, and it, it doesn't just show up in a day. I mean, it, you'll notice it all of a sudden one day, but it's usually a problem that's been happening over time because the tissue is so tight around it. And I had golfers is the inside of the elbow. Tennis is on the outside. I had tennis elbow and it was really strange because I could do pull-ups. I could do chin-ups. I could do overhead presses. I could do supinated curls, which is the, obviously the palms facing up, but I couldn't do neutral grip stuff. So like hammer curls would kill it. And really the thing that was the worst is when I would like extend my arm. So like at full extension, I would reach for like a, a piece of paper. I'd reach for like a, a pen or pencil and I'd pick it up and that would be excruciating. And I remember one day I did uh, bang it against the side of the wall and it, and it damn near dropped me. And I like to think I have a relatively high pain uh, tolerance, but man, it was uh, rough. So sometimes what happens is that referred pain around like where the actual issue is, 
um, is causing that. So it could be a pinched nerve. I don't know. I've had experience with that before. Um, I do think if you can foam roll or like grab a peanut, if you guys know what I'm talking about, it's like that little, it looks like it's a blue ball. So it's like these two blue balls. That, I don't know how else to say it. Like these two nuts that are like kind of packed together like a peanut. And then you can actually put the right before the, uh, elbow inserts you can go all the way from the elbow up um, to all three heads of the tricep and then you can do the same thing with the forearm or like a tim tam works but honestly i found the, the thing that works best for like uh tennis elbow and uh, the tight tissue is manual uh, just massaging uh, the forearm and i like to go across uh, fiber across tissue so instead of massaging uh, vertically up and down your arm you go across uh, the fibers. And I think they say that the, uh, it works just the same, uh, for whether at me, the, uh, the muscle tissue, or I think like the, uh, the ligaments, tendons, you can, again, you, you do what you can handle, but I think, uh, they say the blood flow and the increase is better going cross than going with the grain. Uh, these two guys on YouTube, I think they're the Bobs they're called. Uh, they're like the most famous, uh, physical therapist on YouTube, super dorky dudes, but f great information. They're super popular. They make a shit ton of money. Um, I've learned a lot of real good stuff from them. So that has helped me. So that could be the cause of it. How do you feel about a cheat meal once a week or once a month? hundred percent, dude, I'm all for it. Depends what your goal is. Uh, depends what, you know, what you can and can't get away with. Depends on how, you know, uh, far that avalanche starts to tumble once you have a couple treats and snacks. I typically, uh, depends on the week. Usually it's one meal a week. Sometimes it's two. Uh, but recently it's been about one meal uh, per week usually. Um, obviously since the holidays, you know, the schedule's a little bit off. But about one one time a week, I'll just eat and kind of do whatever the hell I want for uh, like a 60-minute window, give or take. So last year was weird. I went out to eat way less than we've ever been before because we traveled way less. But you know, burger fries for me usually does it. Maybe some cinnamon rolls. Keep it simple. And then I usually do it on a Saturday night because just of our how our filming schedule is here and how my training schedule is so usually what i'll do is i'll i'll fast saturday we'll we film a lot of production stuff here i'll actually do a workout um just because my schedule is now i'll do like an upper body session with some aerobic stuff and then uh, i'll go home i'll have my cheat meal saturday night and then sunday i wake up and we do these terrible sunday advanced metcons which typically drains the glycogen and all the excess sugars and calories i put in and then I fast on Sunday most of the day, and then I eat, again, usually a regular schedule. So that typically works for me. So I think once a week is fine if the other days are great. Now, if you're eating like shit the other days, then having a cheat meal, it's you're just being a lazy ass is, is how I look at it. If you're diligent enough to do it once a month, I think that's awesome. And even for me, I don't want to talk about this for too long, but my cheat meals, if you will, however you want to word them. I know in the fitness world, you know, we say, oh, you shouldn't call them cheat meals because you shouldn't have to cheat on your diet or you shouldn't call it um, a workout. You should be called a part of a program like fitness people. If you're listening to me, don't be such a Nazi with the terminology. Just be chill. This is how normal people talk. Like it, it this is a side rant. It blows my mind how in the fitness world, we want to show how smart we are all the time, right? Like I could give a shit. If everybody thinks I'm just a, a trainer dumbass, you know, who works out and, you know, listens to, to, to hip hop and, and teaches exercise for a living, essentially that is what I do, but I'm not going to sit here and, and overcomplicate simple subjects for people. If people want to call it a cheat meal, that's fine. If women want to say toned, like that's fine. Can you really tone a muscle? No, the, the word doesn't make any, any sense whatsoever. But when Cindy comes in and says it, it makes sense to her so we can 
and I might say fat loss and we might say like composition and but if she wants to use the word tone, it's fine. So fitness professionals, it's all right. Every time you don't have to say supinate and pronate. You can just say palms up, palms down. Keep it basic, you guys. Basic coaching cues, taking something complex and giving it to a human and making it simple, that's what a great coach does. Like when you're coaching a squat, you can have super technical cues if you want to. But for the most part, when you got your people in the gym, all right, Rick, it's push through the heels, back straight, chest out, like simple things work. Sorry, that's just for fitness pros to side around. On the cheat meals, <laughs> mine, mine have graduated a lot as I've gotten older because I don't like to feel like shit. I love all the same stuff. I love cookies, love cakes, uh, love uh, pizza, I love burgers, I love fries, I love all the little kid snacks, Pop-Tarts, fruit roll-ups, uh, Oreos, Doritos. I like all the cheap shit and I like the expensive shit. Um, I think it's all good. But I tend to steer away from the volume I once used to eat, hence why I weigh less. You know, I used to be 230 pounds, now I'm like eh, like 210, give or take. And I'm just leaner every day and healthier than I've ever been. Because I noticed I'd wake up feeling like hungover. Like you have a sugar hangover or you have like the meat sweats. It's just, it just is not a good look. And it just, I don't like how I feel. And so I know a lot of people think because it's, I look the way that I do and because, you know, f sex sells in fitness and I do this just for vanity reasons. Part of it, sure, because unlike anybody else, I, I want to feel confident in my own skin. I think that's very important because if you feel confident in your own skin, you feel confident in life. And you can drive a 2008 Honda Accord and not give a shit what people think. So there's that. But in all reality, um, I don't want to feel bad, man. Because if, if I feel like shit, I'm not productive. I can't write. I can't film. I can't do a podcast. We can't coach people. I don't want to work out myself. I don't want to have you know a meal from Friday steal from me Saturday. I think that's stupid. It's the reason why um, I don't drink, really. Because it's just like, it's a slippery slope, man. Because it just takes away from me. The last time, I did it one day, one time last year. One time in 2020, we hung out with friends. I've shared on the podcast. We stayed up super late, doing stupid shit. Drinking like, I drank at least a half a bottle of whiskey. Which I still have this capacity to do it. And I feel fine that night. You're feeling good. You're loose. You're inebriated. You're under the influence. I wake up the next day, I'm like, just like a bag of shit, man. Just the worst gut rot. Struggling to do like a hike that I would literally sprint through on a normal day not eating being dehydrated having to take a nap it's like i just wasted a day because of three hours of drinking and i'm like that's how i look at the cheat meal so just do it but limit it to a 60 minute window still drink a ton of water if you can fast you know uh, on the bookends of it i think that's the best way to go about it next one do you have celiac or do you just believe in gluten-free eating i do not have celiac disease i actually wrote our cookbook uh, getting gluten-free, which you guys can pick it up on Amazon if you want to. Um, I wrote that with Kim Mays, who, um, she is uh, cook at allergyfree.com. I believe is Kim's site. Um, Kim knows all the stuff about gluten-free eating and beyond. Both of her kids have severe, uh, celiacs. Like they get really jacked up. Um, so I wrote it with her. Uh, I'm not against wheat at all. Um, I believe in Ezekiel products. I think they're awesome. Uh, the sprouted grains and obviously like they do make a gluten-free version of them, but I do like their cinnamon raisin Ezekiel muffins. They're like crack cocaine. I just, I'm not a fan of a ton of wheat in general. I'm not a fan of a ton of, you know, breaded starchy carbohydrates in general. Now I do think people can eat them and be lean and healthy and live an awesome life. I'm just not one of those people. Again, it's, uh, I think most people would be better off if 
most of their day consists of just protein, produce, and water. No, again, I'm not against wheat, uh, but I, I just think having those things around the house, uh, you know, crackers, chips, breads, pastas, cereals, it just adds up quickly. And for a lot of us, they're just, again, I'm not against carbohydrates. I eat them, but I don't eat a ton of them most days just because they're so easily overeaten. And I find I don't feel great on them. I find I can overeat them like nobody's business. And I feel I get uh, puffy uh, and bloated. And I just, I can notice it in my face, in my body for sure. When you get to be a certain level of leanness, you guys will notice when you eat something um, that doesn't agree with your body naturally, it'll kind of change you how you, you know, retain water that goes for anything with salts and everything. But uh, no, I don't have celiac. I just, I'm a fan of just limiting the things that are processed. So I do like Ezekiel products because they are, you know, sprouted grains. They're closer to natural for sure. Obviously everything has to have some level of processing for the most part, unless it's, you know, like I guess uh, your organic bananas, but everything else. Yeah. Next one. Ways for an ectomorph to gain weight and muscle. Um, I've done a podcast on hard gainers for sure. Uh, if you're an ectomorph, you got to eat, dude. Uh, I am that as well, naturally. As I'm getting older, my body's kind of morphing into the, uh, you know, mesomorph, just the athletic frame. But that's from 20 years of training. I'm an ectomorph at heart. Look at my ankles and wrists. They're on par with a seventh grade girl's. So there I am genetically. My waist is still, uh, you know, probably the same size it was when I was like in eighth grade. So my joints haven't moved a lot. That's why this is about as big as I can get. I'm pretty much capped out on space. But, uh, yeah, you got to eat. And uh, you got to eat a lot of food. So you got to be in a calorie surplus. So you got to just, you know, get on the scale, see what you weigh, plug your food into my fitness pal. And uh, if the scale's not moving up, you have to eat in a surplus. And just maybe adding 300 calories a day or 500 calories a day each day. Ectomores typically struggle with eating a ton of food. People tend to go for the carbohydrates, which is fine. But for me, eating a ton of fats is probably the easiest way for you to gain uh, weight just for the fact that it's not going to take up as much stomach volume. So you can add things like nut butters, coconut oils, avocado oils, things like that to your foods. Um, that's going to go a long way for sure. But uh, you got to eat. Um, pick a couple meals and uh, just eat them and keep eating, dude, like crazy. Uh, you can do some aerobic work for sure, but I would focus on just, you know, maybe power movements, especially if you're a, a hard gainer and you're a person who loses uh, weight quickly like myself. That's what worked for me. Um, I could go over all the protocols, but I could do a whole different podcast on kind of my journey. But I've done one on hard gainers for sure. If you want to check it out, um, it'd be a good listen. Next one. Any advice for an up-and-coming trainer? Any tips on becoming a successful trainer? You know... It's tough, man. It's uh, like any profession. I think it's it's not easy. Maybe some are. This is not an easy life for most people. Uh, I would not um, recommend it unless you really love it. That's my god honest opinion. I've done a podcast on why you know owning a gym sucks, but it's also the greatest thing ever. You just really have to not just love fitness yourself and love sports and love movement. You have to be more than that. I think if you want to be a successful trainer, you're going to have to be a, you have to know about nutrition. You have to know about food. And that means you have to have done it yourself. You can't coach people on how to be lean if you've never been lean yourself, at least a couple times in your life. You know, I don't coach people on how to, you know, deadlift 800 pounds because I never deadlift 800 pounds. And that's not what I really enjoy doing. I want to be well-rounded and give people, you know, it's lifestyle coaching what we do here. So I think to be a good trainer... You have to obviously be fit. 
You have to train yourself. You have to do mobility yourself. You have to lead from the front. You have to set the example. I'm not saying you got to be a saint, but you got to be good, man. And you got to learn and you got to be able to surround yourself with other coaches who are good and learn and who give a shit. And you got to be a therapist um, a little bit. You got to learn about habits. You really do. You have to learn about behavior patterns uh, more than anything. And uh, you got to coach people for a long time uh, across the board from, you know, probably eight year old kids to 78 year old women, you know, from division one pro athletes to uh, the average coach to athlete. And you'll see what what you like, you'll see what you like doing, and then play to your strengths. Uh, we've worked with people here, professional athletes. We've worked with, uh, you know, multiple Division One athletes, high-level um, high school athletes, youth athletes. We've worked with uh, people here who are uh, Ironmen, and we work with people here who can barely tether shoes. Um, I tend to get the most fulfillment and enjoyment with working with just normal people, you know, the guy who's a dentist, the guy who's an accountant, you know, the lady who's a teacher. Like, I like just those guys because I see the biggest change in them. And it's the most fun training with them. Uh, I'm not opposed to the other things, but play to your strengths. And you just got to do it for a long time. And you have to learn. And uh, it's a high failure rate in this industry, not only for the people working in the profession, but the people who are doing it. Because a lot of people, you know, start a program, but not that many people finish it. And it's hard to do. And don't do it for the money, man. Um that's not why I got into it, and that's not why I would tell somebody to get into it. If you want to do something and just make money, do something different. Um, go do medical device sales. Go do pharmaceutical sales. Um, you know, go sell real estate uh, in a luxury market. Like, do things that have bigger rips. Uh, go be a hard money lender. You know, there's other things. Go be a financial advisor, a hedge fund manager, a broker. Uh, things that are just money-driven. Now, can you make a lot of money in this life? You can, in my opinion. Now, compared to a hedge fund manager, well, no, you're still a broke loser. But you can become a millionaire in fitness for sure. Um, it takes work, definitely. You're going to have to be something different than uh, than I think the average guy down the street for sure. Um, but if you do it because you love it and you give a shit about people and you care about people and you're willing to work 100 hours a week, especially up front for little to no money, and you do that over time and you keep perfecting your craft and try to be the best at what you do, you'll do fine financially, uh, way better than most. But it's going to take um, your life to do it. And uh, the hours are not great, especially if you're talking about training people in person at first. And uh, yeah, those will be my, my quick tips. Next one. What is your training like? Sorry. Um, I have a podcast uh Title like my typical training routine, I think, and uh, it definitely is. Uh, it's older, so I'll try to do a new one um, here in the next couple weeks. So I'll get you guys like what my training looks like. I'm actually making a note right now, um, which I know some people. I actually got this request quite a bit. Jeremy, what does your training look like exactly? It, it's always changing and shifting. I, I keep the same protocols and basics of how I lift and what aerobic work I do and mobility. But my schedule, obviously, 2019, I had a plan. Um, and it went pretty smooth. And, you know, I paid off my house, which took this Herculean effort in the small amount of time we did it. And I had this whole plan of how 2020 was going to go. And, well, you know, COVID said, hold my beer. And uh, clearly that didn't uh, didn't pan out. And so 2021, I'm feeling the effects of that just for the fact of 
our business uh, is shifting in a couple of areas, which is all good. Um, we're making a ton of money, which is good, but it's required a lot of fucking work too. So I have more personal appointments with humans now than I've had because I met some really cool people who have been working with. And so my training has had to shift the days of the weeks, which is far different than anything I've done before and with the podcast growing. But I'll, I'll get to it is my point. Sorry to, uh, to get lost there. Next one. If you had five hundred, a thousand, or five thousand dollars to invest, what would your must be? Dividends, stocks, real estates, etc. Okay, um, I'm not a financial advisor. Uh, I have one. Uh, we have a CPA. We have an attorney. All these people we get on phone calls together, which costs a lot of money. But I do ask them a ton of questions, and I have learned a lot about this over the years because. Uh, I live in Scottsdale. I work with a lot of people who are financially um, successful, who make a ton of money, who have made a lot of mistakes, and I've learned what to do and what not to do. So if you're a person, and this would be my basic advice, and you had $5,000 to invest, if you're a person who qualifies for a Roth uh, IRA, I would max that out every year until you can't. I think for an individual person, it's if you make less than is it 96000 a year? They're always changing the stuff, and I think you can do 6000 per year now in the IRA. Um, sadly, uh, I did not qualify for a Roth IRA anywhere because we make too much money, which is, I think, utterly ridiculous, but that's the world. But before, um, and I'm married too, so my wife uh, contributes to our problem. Um, you know, we make too much money, they say. You're, you're too successful, which they need to really change the guidelines for that, in my opinion. But... If you qualify for a Roth IRA, that's what I would do. That's your money growing basically tax-free forever. Um, obviously, you don't get to touch it until you're 59 and a half, I believe. But if you're a person and you're making 80 grand a year and you can put 6000 bucks a year into an IRA, it used to be five. I think it's six now. If you can do that, I mean, dude, you're going to have millions and millions of dollars. If you're 25 years old doing six grand a year every year until you're eight, 59 and a half, that shit's going to compound like crazy. I would always do that because it, you already paid tax on the money. So what I'm saying is when you're 59 and a half, which I know to you guys probably seems like you'd be dead, you won't be. 59 and a half is super young these days. To have $2 bucks that's tax-free is fucking insane. And you probably have more than that. And you probably have some tax-deferred stuff. So you probably have like a traditional IRA that's going to be taxed on it. Like when you, you pull on it, but you're probably in a lower income bracket. So it's going to be to your benefit. Um, I would do that for sure. Um, obviously, if you guys have money, um, you know, I would say build an emergency fund. Three to six months of your expenses. Um, if you're more conservative, I would say six months of expenses is uh, ideal. And then maxing out any of the, the Roth stuff, if you qualify, is going to be great. And then obviously if... If you don't qualify, um, you could do like a backdoor Roth or if you're like a, you own your own business like myself, like we have a SEP here, like a self-employment pension fund we have set up. And that's obviously, um, you get a tax break on it now. I'll pay tax on it when I'm older, but over a certain income level, you don't get to qualify for the Roth stuff. So that's what I would do. Um, I don't do a lot of risky, crazy stuff. Obviously, we invest money, my wife and I, um, into funds outside of retirement accounts. So we have, you know, basically... Uh, like mutual funds set up that we can pull money from it every time. Obviously, you would pay um, either short-term or long-term capital gains. I tend to not pull it early, so it would be long-term capital gains is what you would pay on it. But those are outside of retirement accounts. Like if I had a gap fund, so let's say I'm 50 years old, I'm like, fuck it, I hate fitness, I'm done. That Those mutual funds that we've been investing in, that's what I would pull off of to get me to my 59 and a half. And then I could tap into my 
nest egg, as they would call it, whether that be a 401k or a SEP or your IRAs and those types of things. So hopefully that made sense. Um, but I'm happy to do a podcast on all the stuff in detail. I've learned a lot over the years, uh, for sure, of what to do because um, I've been very blessed to be hanging around a lot of smart people. So hopefully that helps some of you guys listening. Vacations planned for 2021 and beyond. Man, dude, I don't know. When uh, when the COVID shit's more chill, definitely. I just don't want to get stuck somewhere is my biggest fear. Like if we go to Costa Rica and I'm stuck there for like two weeks after the vacation, that would be bad. Uh, very bad for business and for myself and for a lot of things. So honestly, Heather and I haven't talked about it a ton. I think we're just kind of looking to see how the world is played out. We did a lot of uh, regional stuff last year. And uh, there's a couple things I'd like to do later in the year. I think once it becomes summertime here and it's like 117 degrees, that's when we tend to bounce. But honestly, right now, this time of year, to be in Arizona in February, March, and April, and May is like a, it's a gift, man. It really is. That's why we, it's why we live here um, for, for those months specifically. So I'll get to it and we'll do some fun stuff and I'll share it with you guys. Next one, do you still watch basketball, and who do you think is a fair opponent to LeBron, best or past player? Um, I do. I haven't, I've haven't. i watched way less last year and this year than before just because we've been busy, and the pandemic just made it kind of weird. Uh, the bubble last year I thought was all right. Uh, it's just it's just for me watching sports without the fans. It's just not the same. It's like it's just, it's it's like sad to me. It kind of reminds me of like of of the shit we're still in, and I, I try to like not focus on it. So like watching a game, like last night I was at my buddy's house, we watched the McGregor fight. He has a Suns Nuggets game on, and uh, they're playing here in Phoenix. There's no fans there, and it was a great game with uh, double overtime, and the Nuggets won. But uh, it's just sad. But to Bron, I mean, LeBron's top five all time for sure. You know, Jordan's always my number one. Uh, you can't mess with Jordan. Uh, that's just me. It's my opinion. Uh, I think Kobe's two, LeBron's three. That really is. I think a lot of people just kind of skip Kobe and like pretend like he, he wasn't there, but he's the closest thing we've seen to Michael. And then LeBron is three. And then who knows, by the time he's done, he might be it. Obviously, Kevin Durant right now in the league right now, Kevin Durant is a killer, dude. He's like the most unguardable human ever. He's seven feet tall. He dribbles like he's a point guard, and he can just pull up from anywhere. It's it's unfair. But uh, Jordan's my goat for sure, and then uh, Kobe and LeBron are all right up in there. And when people – you know, go back and forth. They can make the argument either way. They're all great, you know, and it's hard to tell because they're playing in different eras and different times with different teams and systems. And I always equate it to this. If you're at the playground and uh, you were picking teams and it was me and, you know, my buddy, and he goes, I, I got MJ first. I'm like, okay, cool. And it was between MJ and LeBron. I'd be like, I'll, I'll take Bron. I'm not going to sit and cry and be like, oh, fuck, you got Jordan. I'm stuck with LeBron. I don't look at it like that. Like, I think we'd do okay. I look at that the same way with like Jordan, Kobe, and LeBron. And I say Michael because at one point in time, Michael Jordan was the, the greatest um, offensive player and defensive player in the league. League MVP, scoring champion, and defensive player of the year in the same year. That's insane. Like, do you know how hard that is? I played basketball for 20-some years of my life. And uh, to do it on both ends and be the best, that's uh, in, in the NBA. Like, to do that at, like, the Lifetime League, right? Like, you're the best, like, at Lifetime. You're in the, the men's league at Lifetime and wherever you live, Norfolk, Nebraska. And uh, if they, I don't even know if they have a Lifetime there. Probably not. I just made that up, by the way. And uh, you're the MVP of the, the Lifetime Men's League. And you're the scoring champion, but you're also the best guy in defense. That's really tough to do. Now, imagine being that in the NBA. You are Michael Jordan. You are the GOAT. 
Next one. Tips on how you started the gym and your brand. Man, um, it was like a whole podcast uh, in itself. I don't want to go super crazy here, but uh, I think I've talked about this before. I did it probably how you shouldn't do it. I quit my corporate job with no clients and no money and no resources, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So don't do what I did, clearly. Um, I would have some money saved up for sure if you really want to do it. I would suggest to you, if you have a job right now, reaching out to local gyms in your area, which is what I did do. So I had one job. I was an academic advisor, and uh, I wrote – this is before – again, you guys, I'm old. This is before the internet and, like, all the Facebook and Instagram crazy stuff. Obviously, the internet existed, but a lot of these guys did not have emails on their websites yet. This is – I'm talking – you know, 13 years ago from now, so 2009, like 2008-ish, I would write letters uh, to uh, the local gyms and say, hey, I'm a, I'm a kid, I want to train some people, do you do some kind of like, you know, a split per client, or can I rent space for a certain amount of time, and I found a place called Peak Performance, uh, Dan and Tony, still appreciate them to this day, they split up, uh, Tony's at Team 44, Dan is still at Peak Performance, both good coaches, just completely different guys, but uh, they were kind enough to let me come in the space. I play, I mean, worth no money to them, a couple bucks here. I'd train a client, and I'd forget the split it would be, but they're uh, kind enough to let me do it. And I would just drop them a couple dollars, and I could use this space, and I use this space for filming. Like, they're just very, very nice. They really, um, they helped me out a lot. And uh, so that's how I started, and then one day I just quit my job. And at the time I'd quit, I had actually no clients, but... Uh, and I called it Jeremy Scott Fitness because I just didn't know what else the hell uh, to do or to call it. And uh, looking back on it, it's a, it's a gift and a curse, right? Because without it, I don't think I would have gotten a lot of these corporate sponsorships and deals and it wouldn't have built up me to be the person it is today, which is a gift. And the curse is then also everybody wants to, to see Jeremy and work with Jeremy. When Jeremy's not here, they're like, what the hell is going on? So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for the world uh, now, but, uh, definitely was tough. And honestly, my advice is, uh, just be really good at your craft and really care about people and really give a shit and want to get good at it. And if you're really going to try to go on your own, listen to the podcast, uh, titled owning a gym sucks or small business success. And some of the ones I've done before, because my grind is different and everybody's kind of is, but I'll say this, um, all you of you listening who hear me talk on this podcast, and watch us on Instagram, and subscribe to YouTube, and read the newsletter, and you see the books, and the t-shirts, and, you know, me on men's health, and oh, he owns the building that uh, his gym is in, and he paid off his house a year ago, and he's balling, and he's doing all this. Those things, I guess, are true, but what people don't hear, and see, and probably realize is that when I quit my corporate job, I was training in a warehouse space, that we split with a buddy of mine who did basketball training. So I literally, the first seven years of my business, I ran inside a basketball gym that was built in a warehouse in Scottsdale with no air conditioning. So for seven years, I showed up to work every day when it was 117 degrees and we trained people with just some fans and it was hot as fuck and it would rain. It'd be humid as shit. And in the wintertime, Regardless of what you believe, when it's 40 degrees here in Scottsdale at 5 a.m., it is cold as hell. And that's what I would do. And I didn't have, you know, 10 assault bikes and rowers and 
the Versa climbers and the skiers and the erg bikes. I didn't have thousands of pounds of, of barbells and plates and kettlebells. A lot of it with bands and dumbbells and some TRX and a lot of body weight training. And I made it work. And thank God for everybody who was there. And all I did for seven years was just save my money. Little by little. Chunked it away. Really never said no to opportunities. And, uh, you know, built an awesome team of people. And Monica is still with me uh, to this day. She's been here for like, I don't know, eight years or something. She's been coaching with me, uh, which is crazy. And we've got other people in between, uh, Kelly and Joe and the Jacobs and those guys. And they've all been great. But uh, I ate shit for a long time, dude. And... My, I guess my advice would be just to eat shit. Just really put your head down and just get in the dirt, man, and just fucking work. And don't worry about the materialistic stuff. You know, I, I don't want to make it about finances, but, like, doing that and, like, and sharing the space and, and doing the workarounds um, allowed me to save a lot of money over a long period of time. Driving a, a 2008 Honda Accord, you know, it's made me a, a rich young man and uh, it allowed me to invest in real estate and to not be a slave to a landlord and, and to be able to build an online brand with the money I made from treating people in person and, you know, buying a house that I, I could afford and eventually pay off, you know, rather quickly as opposed to doing that fancy stuff. That's let this business grow. That's, and again, it's a slower way to go about it for sure, but uh, it's allowed me to help way more people and it's allowed me to give away, you know, thousands of dollars of t-shirts a year it's allowed me to give away you know thousands of dollars of books and do all the things we get to do so what i would suggest is start it because you love it and start it because you want to help people and and really make a difference and don't do it for money and don't build it around that build it around your strengths and and just be a good person and don't make your business transactional make it relationship based because that's everything where are your hats? I'm assuming you mean the hats we saw in person here. Uh, we have them here. Uh, I have Matt put them up on the site, but if you guys want a hat from us, uh, shoot me a DM, send me an email. They're 30 bucks, I think. I think they're 30 bucks or 35 with shipping maybe. I think they cost 30 bucks. I should probably know this. And then they're 35, I think, to come to your door. But hit me up. We can send them to you for sure. If you had to pick one brand of shoes, Reebok, Noble, which would you pick? For training only. My favorite training shoes of all time are the Reebok Nanos. I love the ones. The twos are my favorite. I love the ones. Uh, I do like the fours as well. And there's a couple other ones. I wore these. I have like these St. Patrick's Day ones I wore today. I wear them a lot now. They have a shoe with inside a shoe. I think they're like the sevens maybe. I get the numbers mixed up. But I love the Reebok Nanos for training. Uh, the earlier versions. Some of the older ones, I haven't tried all of them. I do love the Nobles for walking around. They have so many different kinds. I like the Noble trainers, some of the softer shell ones. Uh, so, like, I'm just picky with shoes with uh, what I do with them. But I like to beat them up a little bit, too. But the Noble shoes are good for training as well. They stand the test of time. You can beat the shit out of them for a while. The Reebok Nano 4s are probably the shoes you can kill the most. I actually hiked the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim in Reebok Nanos. I've h- hiked Mount Humphreys in the Reebok Nanos. I've hiked Havasu Pie in the Reebok Nanos 4s. Uh, they haven't steered me wrong. Everybody else had, like, you know, horrible blisters. Actually, at the end of the Grand Canyon, I finally had one at the bottom of my foot. I didn't notice it, though, um, until I got done. So it um, they're the best, man. They're just they're, they're like, almost like bulletproof shoes. I do love them. So they're, they're both great. I don't think you can go wrong. How do you deal with friends who you outgrow? Um, you answered it, dude. You just... Uh, you just outgrow them. You just keep it moving, man. And I, I call them different. They're surface level friends, right? Like I got a lot of friends that uh, I grew up with 
and we see people in passing and maybe we don't talk as much now as we used to. Um, but you just do different activities with them. Um, and then there's the friends that you have that you'll have for life where, you know, the buddy of mine was at his house last night. He's probably the dude I've, uh, his name's, his name's Nick. We call him Kid Rock because he looks like Kid Rock. And uh, he, he, he lives like Kid Rock sometimes. Super smart dude, um, educated on politics, uh, you know, everything across the board. Sports, for sure, diehard. You know, we grew up together uh, in Minnesota. He's here. He runs, uh, manages a, a pretty successful company, does his thing. And uh, we have friends that, you know, we, we joke about that we're still friends with that we only do certain things with because they're just, they're just knuckleheads like we used to be. And uh, it doesn't mean you don't have to be friends with them. You just, you put them in a different box. You just do different things with them. There's some people you can be transparent with. There's some people you can share some things with and some people you can only uh, do certain activities with. And that's kind of how I look at it. And you just got to move on, man, and know like you're not meant to be friends with everybody forever. My wife's went through that with some people too where you just outgrow them and uh, it's okay. Uh, I think they understand that. And I think you do as well. We're all adults and, and you're always going to, uh, you know, be changing and shifting. And if people don't grow with you, they kind of get left behind. It's the way I look at it. Next one, five fitness myths, five fitness myths that need to die. Uh, man, I probably should have researched this before. Um, you know, to say you can, uh, you know, gain muscle and lose fat at the same time, that that's not going to happen. Uh, I guess the next one, uh, thinking you can outwork uh, a, a, a shitty diet, it can't be done. Next one, um, spot training, like you can just, just make your stomach leaner, um, that cannot happen. Uh, those are probably the big three uh, right off the top. You just, you can't spot reduce, that's nonsense. Uh, you can't build muscle and shed a bunch of fat at the exact same time if you're past the novice level or unless you're ridiculously obese. Those are some some real truths I think people need to uh, to hear, and honestly, that it just takes longer than than you think it's going to take. Um, you're not going to go from a bag of shit to Rambo in uh, 30 days. It just doesn't happen. Uh, all good things take time, and, and your body is definitely one of them. Can you talk about fat-free food items just to know if they're worth it? You know, I'm not a fan of the fat-free stuff uh, for sure. It's uh, there's nothing wrong with it if you want to do it, but I think fat makes the food taste better. And I think if you're getting the right fats, it's okay. Like fat-free cheese versus the full fat cheese. I would just do the full fat cheese because it tastes better and just adjust your macros accordingly. And the, because usually what they do with the fat-free stuff, not always. So I'm generalizing here. They take out um, the fats, but they add sugars or they add other shit to it. So it's like the, the closer to real it can be, I think uh, the better in my opinion, how to pick up heavy dumbbells for split squats. Uh, same advice I give people for pull-ups. You grab the bar and you pull yourself up. Um, I'm joking. Um, honestly, you just, what we usually do here, we'll grab the heavy dumbbells. If you guys can picture this, we set them on the bench. So they're already in the elevated position. Then you grab them uh, just like you would do any other movement. And then you stand up fully erect. And then obviously, you know, you stand about a foot, foot and a half from the bench. And then you place the back uh, foot on there. And then obviously just then you go to, to work on your split squats. But I like to do them instead of picking up from the floor every single time. And even when I'm done with every set, I place them on the bench where my foot is. Then I grab them and then walk out. I think that's the easiest uh, for you. Hopefully that helps. If you can only accomplish one thing a day, what's the most important? Eat clean, H2O, sleep, workout. Well, if you have to breathe, I mean, breathing would be it, right? I'm kidding. Um, you know... 
you got to do more than one. Uh, it just doesn't work. Uh, you got to eat right and you got to get good sleep and you got to drink water and you probably should exercise. I guess of all those things, like what could you skip? You could skip working out, I guess. Um, and just eat well, drink a ton of water and get good sleep, but you have to do them all. That's the thing. People will always throw out these percentages. Well, it's 80% diet. It's a hundred percent everything, dude. Obviously if your diet is really shitty and you still do a ton of workouts, you're not going to see the best results, but you have to do it all. That's the game. Like nobody wants to, to talk about that. You have to do it all. If you don't, something's going to suffer. They just, in our 47 day transformation, they just went through their success wheel yesterday, which is a personal development tool. They go over all the areas of their life, like finances, marriage, fitness, uh, things like that. And they kind of map out, am I a one to 10, one being I suck and 10 being awesome. So like one, you're about going to get divorced in your marriage and 10, it's like, you guys are in love. Like you were the first, you know, three weeks you're dating. And most of us are somewhere in between. Uh, at least if you've been married for, for a while. Um, and I look at that with, with this, like what's more important, water, sleep, all of it, dude, they're going to all play off each other. But if you sleep like shit, like your workouts probably aren't going to be great and your hormones are probably going to be off. Then you're probably going to eat like shit. So they all kind of go hand in hand. And if you're not drinking a ton of water, you're probably gonna feel like you're hungrier more often. So then you're going to eat more. So does that make sense? And then obviously if you're eating a ton, you might feel like shit when you sleep because you have the meat sweats or you have whatever it is. So point being, you got to do them all, dude. You really do. And if, if there's a day you're not going to work out, that's fine. Do all the other three through on mobility. And there you go. Favorite cheat meal. Whew, man, uh, it just depends on the mood. Uh, the most popular thing I do is probably burger and fries just because it's the easiest and it's been the fastest during the the world we've been in. But I do want to go back to um, this pizza place my man uh, Steve Resnick uh, told me about. We've been to a couple times. It's called 40301. It's here in, uh, it's in Phoenix, actually. And uh, it's like legit Italian. Um, I've been to Italy, been blessed to, to be to Rome, uh, Sorrento, the Malfi Coast, Capri. Like, I've been all around. And uh, the pizza there, obviously, you, you can't mess with it. These guys are the next best thing. Uh, they're all from there. They do like a cauliflower um, in like it's in like a bolognese sauce. It's like it's like oh, it's amazing. Their meatballs are great. The pizzas, it's very basic. Uh, even the beers, like it's a Peroni, which that's my favorite beer, other than McGolden. Shout out to the Midwest. Um, you can't get McGolden in Arizona, which is really sad. I haven't had a McGolden in about a year and a half, which is probably a good thing. But that's my favorite beer, just because I'm a hometown homer, just a normal. But I do like Peroni. And anyways, uh, at Forno, like they do the Peroni. They have like red wine, white wine, but like just house wines, really basic. Uh, I do like that if it's pizza. Um, the, if you're in Scottsdale ever, there's a place called Roaring Fork. I think they have one in Austin, Texas as well. Uh, they do a burger there. It's called the Big Ass Burger. I think it's the best. Uh, I love that. Everything there is good. Their street corn's great. Uh, their tacos. I'm just, a, I'm a fat ass deep down. So um, that would probably be it. And then if I did a, a, a treat or something, they... The sticky buns uh, at El Choro, which are like cinnamon rolls, but like way better. That would that'd probably be in the mix too. I like all that stuff, but it just depends on the mood for sure. Next one. What were the health issues you dealt with in your past? Only if you want to share this. I'll make this quick. I talked about it before. Um, I used to do a lot of stupid shit. Eat like shit, drink like shit, do drugs, you name it. Um, on top of that, I would chew tobacco like a tin a day um, and drink a lot of booze. Just to, I mean, even on my... 
Oh, man. Uh, I don't want to go into these details. Um, but anyways, long story short, it caused me a lot of issues with uh, um, digestive problems, uh, my gut health, uh, intestinal ulcers, uh, just a lot of things that really were wreaking havoc on my entire body. Like um, the, the amount of pain I would be in, how I'd go to the bathroom, just if you want, I can get graphic if you want to, but uh, it was not good. So literally my body was just like kind of shutting down and I was just fucked. I just felt like, like shit all the time. I really got to the point where I didn't want to eat food because everything would like hurt my stomach and the, the process of going to the bathroom became uh, a problem as well. And long story short, like I had to end up, I go to all these different specialists, um, you know, things, uh, colonoscopies, uh, was the other one, uh, laryngoscopies, uh, you know, they're shoving cameras up my ass and I've shared the story before. I'll share it quick again, being at the Mayo Clinic, just, you know, and they do it in teams. So like two doctors, I think there was two nurses in there too. And I had to go there and they give me like the enemas before, cause they're going to put a camera up my ass. So I'm in there and like, I'm doing these enemas, like liquid enemas. And then you, they put a timer on you have to hold it like inside your butt for so long and it makes your stomach hurt so bad if you've ever done it and then you just like shit your brains out like solid and liquid shit and to the point you're just like shitting liquid because they want everything clear you go into this office you lay on your side they shove this camera in your butt you can see it on a big screen tv so like the inside of your your colon and butthole and i guess all that stuff and uh but but first they fill your stomach up with air so they can see inside of it. So your stomach is full of air. Then they shove this camera up in your butt. I've told the story on the podcast before, so sorry if you guys have heard it. And then they look around, they do everything, and they're like, do you want, then the story is like, do they want to, do you want to excuse yourself? Because you have all this air in your stomach. And I'm like, because you're going to fart basically for the next like five minutes. And I'm like, no, I don't, I'm like, you guys literally just shoved a camera up my ass. Um, I don't care if I sit and fart in front of you here. And there's nothing inside me because I just shit my brains out for the last 20 minutes. So we can just sit here and just hear that for them as they explained to me what my issue was. But uh, I don't want to get into to grave detail on it, but that's part of it. So um, in terms of, you know, for me, that was a huge part of it and how my, my kidneys were functioning uh, at the time because of it, um, not at a high level. So the filtration rates, there's a lot of things. But uh, that's what got me started on eating right and saying, hey, man, you can't abuse drugs and alcohol and eat like shit because you're not Bruce Willis from Unbreakable. So if the train does crash, bro, you're going to die. You're not going to walk out, you know, unscratched because you're not a fucking superhero. You're a real person. That's the first time in my life I got like really touched. And what I mean by touched is like I felt like, man, I'm not invincible. Like, you know, when you're you're 18, you're, you're 14 beers in, you think you're fucking bulletproof. And that was, you know, I think 23 or 4 at the time. And I'm like, you know what? You're not bulletproof, dude. You, you've been... You've been playing this game for a, for a long time, and now it's really catching up with you. And I had little signs along the way, but when it really got, you know, you're, I'm like shitting blood and all these things, I'm like, that was it. And that really, um, I don't want to say scared me straight, but made me realize I wasn't, uh, I was not invincible and I had to really make the changes. And so I started with an elimination diet and that's when I really started learning about, you know, the foods we put in our body and the chemicals and, uh, how drinking alcohol and doing drugs and all these things. And that's, I was the first transformation person at Jeremy Scott Fitness ever. And that's why I speak about it the way that I do and why I give a fuck about it and why I really still show up here in person to run this business in person, because we could just be online and make money all day. Like I've, we've, we've established a brand. We've established this to reach people in 70 different countries plus now, but I, I, it's important. It's important that people come here 
and they see me and they hear me and oh he he eats this way he trains this way he speaks this way he's showing up for us at four o'clock in the morning like he's just as fucking crazy as we are because i believe they need a place to come there's a lot of people who can't do it just online and i and i believe it matters and so that's why i speak about this that's why i put that's why we put out 70 podcasts a year that's what we bring in the physicians we bring in. That's what we, we bring in people to talk about life experiences of what they used to be unhealthy and now they're healthy because anybody can change and do it if they want to. You just have to give a shit and you maybe have to be scared straight and be like, hey man, you know, you're 23. If you keep doing this, you're gonna be fucking dead or we're gonna have to cut out 10 feet of your intestines or whatever it may be. Like nobody wants to do that. And that's where I'm like, well, and it, again, now when I sit here, I'm all better. It's all gone. It's all reversible. Like, at least for me, with food, with not abusing food and, and drugs and alcohol and saying that for the people who are, you know, uh, type 2 diabetics, a lot of those, there's people here we know who are, who have got type 2 diabetes from their shitty habits and are now done. They don't take insulin anymore. It's over. Like they've, I don't know, if, I don't know what the, the medical term would be. They've cured it. They've fixed it. They've all the... Everything has subsided. All their blood levels are normal. Everything shows up fine because they have made a life choice to not abuse their body anymore. So that that was part of my issue, and that's why I do what I do today. That's the if that would not have happened, and I somehow genetically could have been the guy who could just you know uh, drink a bottle of whiskey every day and smoke cigarettes and and, and be mine was chewing tobacco, but you get it. Smoking cigarettes was the equivalent. If I could have done that, my body would have been fine and held up. I probably never would have made this massive change. I probably never would have turned into this version of me, and there would be no Jeremy Scott Fitness, and the people who listen to this would, would never be hearing me say it. And so sometimes the worst things in your life end up being the biggest gifts, and I believe that. And for me, you know, and I never would have imagined laying on a bathroom floor, shitting blood, crying your fucking eyes out, like contemplating like I want to fucking kill myself because I feel so bad, would turn into this. Me talking to millions of people, being you know, working with the biggest fitness brands in the world, giving me access to all these different people across the world. It really was my greatest gift. Um, and it was, it, again, I say it the whole time, you guys, it's really hard to see when you're in it because in those moments, when you're, when you're feeling so beaten and so broken, so defeated, understanding that that caused all of this. And so maybe 2020 for some people that can be your, you know, shitting blood crying on the bathroom floor story in a couple years who knows um sorry to get off track how long into owning your gym did you feel ready to hire additional coaches um i'm trying to think i probably did it for a year or so before uh we brought some people in uh dave and ben came on board uh for sure which helped me take my business from like level one to level two uh they really did they're two dudes who um, ended up leaving me, starting their own gym together, and then they split, started two separate gyms. Uh, but again, all alpha dudes, all um, all dudes who are really good. So I brought them in probably a year in or so. And so it just depends on what you're trying to do and what you're trying to build. I'm not trying to build a, a gym with 700 people and, and 17 coaches. I have no interest in that. Um, I'm not interested in leasing out space for trainers to come in here and, and do their own brand. I have no interest in that. I just want to help people inside of my space, in my community. That's, you know, if that's one other coach, two other coaches, three other coaches, that's fine. We have the internet as kind of the great equalizer. And really, if you want to break it down, this is an internet business that just owns a building. 
that trains humans in it because I love it. I think it's fun and I like it. Uh, so yeah, but maybe a year, give or take. Next one. Whole foods versus calories, macros, focus. Um, I'm a fan of obviously macros for sure. Um, obviously, I think obviously and real food. So I think that's, they go hand in hand. I think you have to do both. I think at some point you have to know what the macros and the calories are uh, to know if you're in a surplus or deficit. And I think you have to diversify the calories into the macros. And I also believe most of your food has to be real. Um, you just, I don't think you're gonna get a long way eating the bag and the, the, the box uh, bullshit all day long. What's your ideal recovery day look like and how often do you take them? Right now, there's two days in the week that are lighter for me. So four days, um, I do legit like loading, uh, beat the shit out of myself. Sunday, we do our advanced Metcon. That would be the fifth day of the metabolic stuff. The other two days, it just depends. So whether that's like lighter work or weak point training or testing out some of the programs here and the things we do in the groups, but I definitely don't kill myself. Some days, if I'm super busy, I'm trying to look at what's my worst day of the week now. Probably probably Wednesday or no, Monday. Monday is my worst day of the week. So Mondays and Wednesdays are my, my toughest days to train for sure because I'm so busy with uh, how our business is set up and the people we see. So Monday, I probably just will walk like probably 20,000 steps, uh, foam roll a ton and go through my same mobility flow. So that's nothing super crazy and maybe even just pop on the bike and do some email and dm returns but it might just be literally twenty thousand plus steps foam rolling and mobility and uh i feel good doing that and again you only have so many fitness checks you can cash on your joints especially so it's it's important to to be methodical uh with how you train and how you rest and recover and you have to listen to your body and do what's best for you and you have to shift the days then that's okay mine are pretty rigid and i'm married to it uh, but uh, I'm definitely adaptable if I have to be in terms of if my legs are too sore, switch it with something else because there's no point in like, there's a certain level of pain and misery you got to be in, but not every single day. Best push-up techniques. I actually have a video on our IGTV on how to fix your push-up and it's also on our Jeremy's Good Fitness YouTube page as well. Next one. I love the private gym idea. How profitable is your gym? I know it's a personal question. Um... I'm probably not a great example just because I'm in a, I'm in a fake ecosystem now that I've created for myself. And what I mean is I own the building our gym is in. So I rent from myself uh, through a, a pass through company because the holding company owns it. So I don't pay the typical uh, lease or base rent somebody would pay. Um, Cause I've done all the hard work upfront. It's like owning a home, versus renting uh, a property, right? When you when you bought your home, you probably own it at whatever the mortgage rate is or whatever it would be. Um, and since I can set the rate, it's definitely a different uh, world uh, to be in. When you're in a lease or something like that, depending where you're at, if it's a retail uh, or uh, they classify as like the not just commercial space, but if it's retail or medical, it's going to be more. If it's uh, a popular street front, you're going to pay, you know, the base rent plus uh, your cams or triple net or whatever you're into. So the overhead um, is going to be tough for you guys. My advice would be keep the overhead low if you can. And uh, you don't have to get a space that's like seen on the street every day. It can be hidden. Like our, all my spaces have ever been that. Uh, and even when this one came up, I'm like, I don't need to be on like if it's Scottsdale Road and Scottsdale is popular, I have no interest in being on Scottsdale Road. I have the internet, dude. 
people will find me. My footprint on the internet is uh, millions of times bigger than it could be if I was on a main street and people saw my sign. That means nothing to me. The internet is everything. So that's equalizer. Um, and again, we do so much revenue here online that, uh, between all of us, we don't have to have a gym in person. It doesn't even have to be, we don't even have to train people here. We could just be an internet business. And this is like my awesome man cave where we film videos and do workouts, but I like it. And so it is profitable. If you took away the internet, yes, it is still profitable. It would still make money. I could still have a good salary and pay people and still live my life. The best example I could give you, um, would be my buddy, uh, Travis had a space before the one he's in now. And I think it was maybe 1400 square feet. And I think they were doing like 40 K a month in, uh, overall revenue. Now, obviously he had some coaches and stuff and had to pay for the space. But even if you're paying the coaches a couple grand a month and your gym is costing you five grand a month, you probably still got a $25,000 profit. So yeah, you can do really well with it. And again, he's master class. Like he's one of the best at what he does. So I'm not saying that is indicative of what most people could do in a space that small. But uh, yeah, it definitely, it definitely is profitable. The key for you guys is to keep the overhead low for sure, and uh, you can set yourself up for success. Obviously, you know, I make more money now than I ever thought I would in my life. And uh, when you're in control of it, there really is no rules. You can do things kind of the way you want, but. You know, again, I ate shit for a long time. I bought a house that I could afford. I didn't, you know, overstep my bounds because I was more concerned about a saving for retirement at a very young age, knowing that I didn't want to do this when I'm 67 years old. Maybe I do. I don't know. But when I'm bald and super wrinkly, I don't think I'm going to have as much energy and really want to uh, be doing this. So, you know, I bought a reasonable house I could pay off and I drive a super old car because I don't give a shit about that stuff. And I knew if I did that, I could, you know, eventually, I don't want to say buy my own freedom, but basically what I did was create a world where I kind of control things instead of having uh, the banks and landlords and these guys control me. I wanted to be in the driver's seat. And so running my gym the way that I did and living my personal life the way that I have has allowed me to do that. And now I can buy and, and do whatever the fuck I want. So yeah, it can be profitable, but you got to be really smart about it and you got to be, you got to be good and you got to really think it through. Um, hopefully that made sense. Uh, we're almost done, aren't we? Podcast, why Sedona sucks and you should never go there. Um, joking, Sedona Sedona does suck. You guys should never go. But in all seriousness, it's amazing if you, if you go off the, uh, the beaten path. Um, in terms of local places, yeah, it's super fun and it's cool. And if you ever come to Arizona, you know, I would say definitely stop by. And if you want some of the awesome spots, my wife and I can definitely, uh, we can hook you up. Also, if you're in Arizona and you, you need to go to the Grand Canyon. If you get a chance to hike it, um, we can hook you up with how to do that too. But those are definitely some sights to see. Um, Sedona just seems fake every time you go there. Like really, it is a, is a really beautiful place. And the Grand Canyon is, it's just something else, man. Next one. Uh, common misconceptions and how to bulk and cut. Um, honestly, the fact that you think it's going to be super quick and super easy, uh, I'm not a fan of the bulking and cutting. I'm just a fan of if you're trying to get bigger, just eat it at a slight surplus for a long period of time and do it slowly and do it correctly. And if you're trying to cut, just do that the same way, slowly and correctly. Don't be in a rush to do it. The biggest misconception is it can be done super fast and you can bulk for six months and gain 20 pounds. And then somehow afterwards, you're going to keep 10 pounds of muscle. 
short of being at the novice level and being like a young teenager, that's not going to happen. So just pick a direction and commit to it for at least a year and then see where you're at and just understand a year is not that long of a period of time if you're really serious about it. But most people don't want to hear that. Most people don't want to get rich slow. So any advice I'm going to give you about making money, it's going to be painful. Um, and when I say slow, I'm talking like 10 years, which is not that long in terms of your life to go from dead broke to being, you know, financially independent, being a millionaire, whatever it may be. Same thing with fitness. A year is not a long period of time. If you're looking to, to put on muscle, it's relatively short. If you're looking to, to make a major transformation, get super ripped and shredded, give it a year. It's not that long in the scope of your life. If, if you're going to live to 85 or 90, just think about it that way. Next one. What are some tips on starting a podcast? Consistency. Do them often. Um, and try to get better every single time. And try to give people value. Give them things they want to hear and listen to, not just things that you want to talk about. Which you can throw those into. But pull your audience. Gauge your audience. Do Q&A episodes like this. But do it consistently. If you just do one podcast a month, no one's going to give a shit. If you're getting on a schedule of doing one, two, three, four a week, you're going to get some magic rolling there. Next, what are some tips for growth on social media while still doing all things authentically? That's the key, dude. Just wash, rinse, repeat, consistently posting. If you guys are trying to grow your stuff, post every day. Post on your stories. Post on your main feed. Uh, use all the platforms you think are going to be helpful for you. And again, provide value for people. The, the only reason to follow people on the internet is for education um, or entertainment. Really? I mean, I think that's probably the two things. I'm sure there's like some, some people do it for creepy sex stuff because it turns them on and they look at, you know, chicks or dudes on the internet, which is fine too. It's whatever you're into. But I basically follow people, whether it's educational or it's entertainment. And so when you look at my like suggested feed to be like, you know, you know, trucks or like, you know, things like that, like Broncos and uh, things that are vehicles get to get you around, you know, in the desert or things that just I'm interested in because I grew up in the Midwest. And so like you just your dad had a truck and your grandpa had a truck. And so that's just what you did. And uh, or firearms, like I'm a fan of firearms or I'm a fan of UFC fighting or I'm a fan of basketball. That's basically what's in my feed most of the time. Uh, very rarely do I see anything else. Maybe some like a Warren Buffett quote or something like that, just because I'm, I'm into, you know, kind of the motivational things and those. But uh, if you're trying to grow your social media, you have to be providing value to other people, giving people a reason to tune in, a reason to click, a reason to listen, a reason to watch what you're doing. And you have to do it consistently. Next one on the list. How the hell do I only eat twice a day? I eat big meals, dude. That's it. Uh, sometimes it's only once a day, believe it or not. And uh, I'm getting older, so I don't... Uh, I don't eat as much as I used to when I was younger. I'm just not, uh, I'm not as hungry. So that works for me. And again, it's just, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many meals you eat. It's just, you know, can you get the calories in? And how do you feel good doing that? If you don't, spread them out, keep them smaller. Next one, what is the best morning breakfast? I don't eat breakfast, but uh, with any meal, protein, produce, water, wash, rinse, repeat, and you'll be okay. What do you think of fasting? I love it. Do it all the time. I've been doing intermittent fasting for 13 years now, I think, I believe. We've done a couple podcasts on it. Uh, we run a program on it. We've got a ton of blogs on it and YouTube videos as well. Practicing patience. Well, my friend, uh, you just have to keep practicing. I'm a master of it for sure. Uh, I'm not in a rush to do anything. I mean, I am. I have a sense of urgency with everything, but not with the results of it. I think that's the key. Just understanding that, that great things take time. They really do. And uh, you, you can't rush the process. You just have to trust the process. That's actually the module in their 47-day transformation today. You can't speed up 
certain things. You can't go from the second grade to the eighth grade. It just can't happen. You just got to go through the grades, and that's the key. And uh, if you do it and you're patient and you sit back and you really observe and listen, you can take advantage of everything. And that that's in terms of uh, the stock market. That's in terms of real estate. That's in terms of your education. It's in terms of opportunities and your physical body, you name it. Just really sit back and go through the phases. And uh, if you're not great at it, you really just have to tell yourself, like, all great things take time, and they truly do. Next one, stevia or sucralose? Uh, you know, one's natural sweetener, one's a fake sweetener. Uh, both in moderation are fine. Obviously, stevia is the natural route, but uh, I don't think if you have, like, I'm going to look at this Powerade Zero right here. Where are we at here? Sucralose is in this Powerade Zero. I drink uh, I drink Powerade Zero every day. Uh, mostly water, but they do have uh, some fake, uh, obviously these Powerade Zero some fake sweeteners in them. But man, they taste amazing. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Drink mostly water for sure. And uh, obviously if you're not, you know, doing gallons of sucralose a day, I think you are fine. But stevia obviously is a natural route. So if you can do stevia sweetened stuff, that's the best bet. Next one. Um, how to ground yourself and stay positive. Well, 2020, uh, was a humbling experience. So that should have grounded all of us for sure. Not to be an asshole. Uh, but in all seriousness, you know, what's your option be negative, complain, whine, bitch. Where's that going to get you? Where's it ever gotten anybody at any point in time? I tell my wife all the time, there's things that we don't like about, you know, how the, the pandemic was handled. There's things we don't like about, uh, what the government does. There's things we don't like about, you know, just society and the way people talk and treat each other and act and um, how divided and polarizing certain uh, things are. But why am I going to sit and complain about it all day? What's that going to change? I have to just stay positive about most things. Now, I can be realistic too, but whining isn't going to change anything. And I always go back to my old man with the quote. I said, Jeremy, you can wish in one hand, and you can shit in the other. See which one fills up faster. And that's the way I look at complaining. You know, he'd be like, you can, you know, you can complain, but what's it going to change? It's just like wishing. What is it going to change? Nothing. Like you have to actually do something about it. You can be the change. And I just don't think being in a negative mindset does anybody any good. It just makes you sound like a whiny asshole, but doesn't, it doesn't move you forward in life. So I always try to look at things glass half full. And I try to look at even the shittiest situation as some type of lesson or some type of gift. It's the only way I could stay sane. Otherwise, I would, you know, pull my fucking hair out how irritated I've been by all the things that have went on in the past year or so. Um, and in terms of staying grounded, man, it's like money doesn't change people. I said this the other day. It only it exposes us. If you're an asshole, money just makes you a bigger asshole. But if you're a good, kind, giving person... Money just makes you more kind and giving. And if you have four followers on Instagram and all of a sudden you get 40,000 followers on Instagram, it's not going to change who you are. It only heightens who you are. It gives you a bigger platform to be an asshole or to be a good person. I look at that with everything. I'm the same dude I've always been. I've been saying the same things. I'm older now and I have more experience, so I'm a little bit more enlightened. I can speak on experiences. But for the last, you know, 10 plus years, I've been preaching the same things. And the only difference is now millions of people get to hear it as opposed to, you know, a hundred. But I'm the same dude. Nothing changes. I put my pants on the same way. I wipe my ass the same way. Nothing else is really different in my life. I drive the same car, live in the same house, pretty much wear the same clothes. 
you know, make more money, sure. Help more people, sure, but nothing's different. And I just try to be positive and keep moving. And that's all you guys can do too. Next one. Um, explaining what you eat during the course of the day. I will do a new podcast on this as well, you guys. I have a podcast already titled like my, is it my typical eating day or what I eat in a day? Something like that. Um, it's pretty accurate. It really doesn't change. Two huge meals, sometimes one, but we can go over that as well. Where are we at here? Find the balance between lifting and conditioning. I can do a whole different podcast on that. Depends on what your goals are. Uh, you know, if you're trying to be a world's strongest man or trying to be, you know, jacked or ripped or shredded, um, or if you're, you know, it just depends. So we'll get to that uh, on a later podcast. What you like and dislike about Minnesota and Arizona. Um, this will be the last one I'll leave you guys here. Honestly, uh, I love, I love both places certain times of the year and I love them for for different reasons obviously you guys I grew up in Minnesota um, I'll always love certain things about it I love summertime there uh, for sure it beats summertime in Arizona but the problem is you don't get that much summertime in Minnesota and for me it's a nostalgia of things and it's like uh, if you guys ever been to Minneapolis if it's like you know going to you know target field watching the twins play because I watched the twins my whole life growing up or going to a Vikings game you know with my best friend so a lot of my friends still live there like I'm always going to miss that um, going to Lake Minnetonka uh, on a paddleboard or going to Maynard's and having a McGolden like just things that I miss about being a kid or going to your uh, your favorite townie bar or picking up you know Blado's Donuts and doing things uh, with your friends going back once a year to play basketball um, I like how there is so much greenery there, how there is so many, I mean, it's the land of 10,000 lakes, there is a shit ton of lakes. Um, and you can be in nature, but you can be in a city if you want to. I do like it. And, you know, for the most part, maybe 2020, not so much, but uh, people are nice in Minnesota. You know, they say Minnesota nice. It's just, it's a different, you know, your Midwestern waitress is just different sometimes than your other waitresses. I'll put it that way. Um, but the weather sucks, dude. It's so cold. It's so brutal. It just beats your ass. You guys who do it, respect. I don't know how you put up with it. It just, it wore me down, man. It just, I, I can't handle it. It's just too, it's too frigid. It's too brutal. And it just, it's depressing, man. I couldn't do it. And I will say Arizona in general, like it's sunny almost every day. It just puts you in a good mood. And obviously Arizona is really, it sucks. Don't move here. Um, but in all seriousness, it's an amazing state. Like you can be in your pool and then drive up to Flagstaff and be snowboarding the same day. Like that's how crazy it is. Uh, Heather will probably go actually this week. But it's so diverse here. The elevation changes from the Grand Canyon to, you know, uh, hiking Humphreys. You can start at the bottom and sweat your ass off, you know, wearing shorts and a tank top. And by the top, you can be up in the snow. I literally did that. When we hiked the Grand Canyon, I literally was sweating in shorts and a tank top. And then by the time, like, we got up to the top, like you're taking your clothes off because like the mountain is full of snow and you're like, holy shit. And you're putting all your clothes back on. Like that's what you get in this state. And in Scottsdale, it's, it's, it's becoming, obviously the valley is big, but, uh, it still feels like a community to me. And that's the part I love about it. And maybe I just feel that way because this is what we do for a living and the people here, but I do love it. I do love the weather. I love the sun. I love the heat. I'd rather have it be 120 than negative 20 any day of the week because at least you can still go outside or go in your pool and have a whiskey and, and, and 
and fight through the heat where if it's in Minnesota, man, I don't want to be locked up inside and, uh, you know, dying just to go to my car. But, uh, Heather, the other day, she sent me this thing jokingly about some, uh, some neighborhood like in, in Oregon and Oregon's great too, but uh, she sent me this neighborhood. She's like, Oh, you can buy land here and build a place super cheap because Scottsdale is no longer, uh, cheap at all. It's actually becoming ridiculously expensive to live here. And, uh, she sent me this thing like, oh, we could build a house here. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I just like, you know, sell all the real estate we own here and you get a different job and fuck all our friends. We don't got to hang out with them. And we're joking, obviously, because the one thing I've noticed about Scottsdale, like, to me, there is this it's strong community based even being here. And that's probably the thing I would never want to give up is just the people. And what I've realized is I've lived in a lot of different places um, all over the world um, from Minnesota uh, to Florida, to Iowa, to, uh, to South Dakota, to, uh, obviously Arizona now. And, um, it's the people is what really does it. Obviously the weather here definitely does help, but, uh, it's the community and, and your friends. Like that's what life is. And that's what I do love about it. And it would be really hard for me to, to move from that. It's like something drastic would have to happen. Like they would have to just, the state would have to completely change, so many things for me to abandon all the people here because it's like that's what life is because it doesn't matter how much money you have like you can be a millionaire and and have money coming in and be quote-unquote successful but if there's nobody to share it with and you have no friends around and no family around and no community like what's it worth like what's the fucking point of life if you can't have that and that's one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Christopher McCandless, if you guys have ever seen Into the Wild, and if not, I would watch it. It's a great movie based on a true story. And his quote was, happiness is only real when shared. And I believe that to my core, and that's what I love about this place so much. And maybe we've created that. Uh, maybe it's here naturally. I don't know. But uh, the weather helps, and obviously the community. So hopefully that helped answer your question. But um, this went way longer than I had planned on it being. I'm super tired now, and I need to go home and eat. Uh, but... Uh, Hopefully I got all the questions answered. I can do more detailed uh, episodes on this stuff, you guys, as we dig into it. But I try to do my best on these ones just to give you quick answers to uh, what you were looking for. So hopefully that helped. If not, always shoot me an email or a DM. As you can tell, I get to these eventually. And I try to answer all of them with as much uh, with as much wisdom as I have uh, in this brain of mine. So thank you guys. As always, and a reminder, if you guys want Athletic Greens, the site is athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott to get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with order one. If you're really on the fence, I will have Monica send you a pack right to your front door. That's how much I believe in it. I know you guys will dig it. And if you're looking to just take one thing a day and you're not going to take 10 different pills, that would be the one thing I would take every single day. If you could take nothing else in terms of supplements and you're limited with time and you're busy and you're on the go, I would tell you to take a scoop of Athletic Greens every single day, and that would protect you and cover your bases better than any one other supplement ever could, and I really believe that. We can make a lot of other money, selling a lot of other shit, but we don't do it because I give a fuck about you guys, and I take it myself. So if you want the hookup, hit me up, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott, or I'll get you the pack, and you guys can try it from there. So if you're on the podcast app on your iPhone... We would love it if you drop us a five-star and leave a couple of comments or share this with a friend or family member. Uh, I think it could help them. And we appreciate you guys. As always, I'll be back with Heather sometime this week. And if you have not yet listened to the podcast I did with David DiLorenzo, the D-Lo, check that out because we talk about all things, you know, Shania Twain, Van Halen, 
cocaine, aliens, you name it. We ran over all of it. Interesting dude uh, who's putting out a lot of good stuff. So I think you guys would enjoy that episode as well. We just recorded it on Friday. So if you're watching on YouTube, again, thank you guys. Remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you don't, all these videos for free, plus the stuff we put on Instagram and everywhere in between. So we appreciate you guys. Have an amazing rest of your Sunday. And until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, Keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.